1: I really love Elon Musk. I mean, he may end up being a Dark Lord. You know, he may be like, I'm building the Death Star, and I'm not putting any shafts that go right to the middle of it. (laughs) It's amazing because today
0: the government is targeting him, and and NPR is pulling their account from Twitter. I love that. And then yesterday, the Biden administration gave him perhaps the largest gift possible basically an in-kind donation of multiple billions of dollars with his new electric car regulations like they have such a weird relationship with this guy they trash him publicly and then they just
1: but i think that's everybody's relationship with Mm -hmm. him yeah because i mean i really like him yeah but he also likes the government handouts you know uh, he believes the world is going to you know, melt down And so we've got to get off this planet But he also believes we've got to get off the planet Because of AI But then <laughs> he did the open AI Which became ChatGPT mm-hmm. So I, I don't know how to think of this guy Anyway, uh, we talk about him and so much more All the news of the day You don't want to miss a second of it uh, Relief Factor is our sponsor If you are dealing with daily pain I know what it's like now you have a choice and you've probably if you're dealing with pain every day you're probably have already gone down this road you're gonna try everything I got to a point where I was like yes I've tried everything okay I haven't tried voodoo but I'm not gonna do that Um, and then my wife heard about uh, relief factor and I had always just dismissed it because it's natural. And I really believe in better living through pharmaceuticals. And, uh, and she's like, take this. And I'm like, honey, it's not going to work because ibuprofen doesn't touch me. It doesn't. But this attacks inflammation, which is the source of most of our disease and most of our pain in our body. It attacks it four different directions where ibuprofen is only using one. I've seen a remarkable difference in my life. Please. Just try it. Trial Pack, 1995. Come on, that $20 bill is going to be worth like a dime in a couple of months. Just try (laughs) Relief Factor now. Go to ReliefFactor.com or call 800, the number four relief. 800, the number four relief. ReliefFactor.com. Here's the podcast. You're listening to. The best of the Glenn Beck program. Let's do this from the Washington Post. A story that has one unidentified source. Oh, an entire unidentified yes, source? Yes, wow. one nameless source. Mm. But they feel pretty good about it. Okay, good. Now, they don't feel good about <laughs> Seymour Hersh and his one identified source. That's immoral. It's wrong against mm. all journalistic standards except this time with the Washington Post. Mm-hmm. The man behind the massive leak of the U.S. government secrets that is exposed spying on allies revealed the grim prospects for Ukraine's war with Russia and uh, ignited diplomatic fires for the White House is a young, charismatic gun enthusiast who shared highly classified documents with a group of far-flung acquaintances searching for companionship amidst the isolation of the pandemic. You Wait, what,
0: what year is this story from? What do you mean the isolation of the <laughs> pandemic? What, what? Well, when they got together, that's
1: when they, they all got together. Okay, in that's group. when they yeah, met. Yeah. Okay, so they, they did meet several yeah. years ago. Now, they were united, according to the Washington Post. They were united by their mutual love of guns, military gear, and God. A group of roughly two dozen, mostly men and boys formed an invitation-only clubhouse in 2020 on Discord, an online platform popular with gamers. But they paid little attention last year when the man, some called OG, posted a message laden with strange acronyms and jargon. The words seemed unfamiliar to the group, and a few people read the long note. One member explained, It was pretty boring. But he revered OG, the elder leader of their tiny tribe, who claimed to know secrets that the government withheld from ordinary people. Hmm. The young member read OG's message closely, and the hundreds more that he said followed on a regular basis for months They were, he recalled, what appeared to be near verbatim transcripts of classified intelligence documents that O.G. indicated he had brought home from his job on a, quote, military base, which the member declined to identify. O.G. claimed he spent at least some of his day inside a secure facility that prohibited cell phones and other electronic devices. I mean, it could have been a movie theater. I don't know. It could, uh, this room could be used to document the secret information housed on government computer networks or spooling out from printers. He annotated some of the hand typed documents.
0: Spooling? What, what are they at? A dot matrix printer? Spooling? Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. It's
1: the government. <laughs> <That's> like, <laughs> yes. yes, you're right. It's the it's government. Probably, they
0: probably got a printer in they 1987. Right. And they're still using it.
1: Uh, and what military base has this? I mean, this stuff is highly highly classified you're not going into a military base and like i'm just gonna log on to the secret parts of the military <laughs> right <laughs> um okay the member said uh, he was translating arcane intel speak for the uninitiated such as explaining that no foreign meant information in the documents so sensitive it must not be shared with foreign nationals The members swapped memes, offensive jokes, and idle chit-chat. They watched movies together, joked around, and prayed. But OG also lectured them about world affairs and secretive government operations. He wanted to keep us in the loop, the member said, and he then seemed to think that his insider knowledge would offer the others protection from the trouble world around them. He's a smart person he knew what he was doing when he posted these documents of course they weren't accidental leaks of any kind said the member the transcribed documents og posted traversed a range of sensitive subjects that only people who had undergone months-long background checks would be authorized to see there were top secret reports about the whereabouts and movements of high-ranking political leaders tactical updates on military forces the geopolitical analysis, insights to foreign government efforts to interfere with elections. If you could think it, it was in those documents. In those initial posts, O.G. had given his uh, fellow members a small sip of the torrent of secrets that was to come when rendering hundreds of classified files by hand proved too tiresome he began posting hundreds of photos of documents themselves an astonishing cachet of secrets that had been steadily spilling into public view over the past week disrupting u.s foreign policy and aggravating america's allies now this account Of how detailed intelligent documents intended for an exclusive circle of military leaders and government decision makers found their way into and out of OG's closed community is based in part on several lengthy interviews with the Discord group member who spoke to the Washington Post on the condition of anonymity. He is under 18, he is a teenager. The post obtained consent from his mom to speak to him and record his remarks on video. He asked that his voice not be obscured. Wow. So we've got a teenager who is the unidentified source, but they did talk to his mom. Dozens of highly classified documents have been leaked online revealing sensitive material, blah, blah, blah. The post also reviewed scores of additional secret documents, most of which have not been made public. Um, So this is the post reported revealed that a man in his early mid 20s allegedly shared them with members of an invitation only discord group. Um, He said, let's see, um, the documents revealed profound concerns about the war's trajectory and kiev's capacity to wage a successful offensive again against russian forces according to the defense intelligence agency assessment among the leaked documents negotiations to end the conflict are unlikely during 2023 the files include summaries of human intelligence on high-level conversations between world leaders how could somebody on a military base just get into this i mean if this is all true and i it sounds pretty true. Uh, at least it sounds like the beginning of the truth. How did this guy get this? If He's working on a military base. H- how, did he get, how did he get access to all of these things? That seems to be a problem. Uh, the files include summaries human intelligence. Uh, it includes intelligence on both allies and adversaries, including Iran and North Korea, as well as Britain, Canada, South Korea, and Israel. Okay. He released detailed charts of charts of battlefield conditions in Ukraine, highly classified satellite images of the aftermath of Russian missile strikes. Uh, others sketched the potential trajectory of North Korean ballistic nuclear missiles that could reach the United States. Another featured photographs of the Chinese spy balloon that floated across the country in February, snapped from eye level, probably by a U-2 spy plane, along with a diagram of the balloon and the surveillance technology attached to it. So this guy, I have to tell you, I don't know what his motivation was. Um, the, the kid says that he, he had these access to these classified documents. He was telling the group that he was preparing them for the world that they're living in because the government is lying to them. Now, I don't know if he was grooming these kids. Uh, I, I, I mean, at this point, with what we know, don't write off that it was a FBI agent who was acting... As a military official who had access that was dumping these online to get this group of kids who loved God and guns and their country to react. Now, this kid seems um, really level headed. He said he's not a Russian operative. He's not a Ukrainian operative. The room on the server where he posted the documents was called bear versus pig meant to be a snide jab at Russia and Ukraine and an indication that OG took no sides in the conflict. OG had a dark view of the government, the young member said, as he spoke of the United States and particularly law enforcement and the intelligence community as a, quote, sinister force that sought to suppress its citizens and keep them in the dark. He ranted about government overreach. Now, when I hear that, I don't think this guy was doing what he did was heroic. I don't think. I mean, the kid says he wasn't a whistleblower, but I do agree that our government is out of control. The problem is law enforcement and the intelligence community. Uh, They are suppressing information and they are suppressing people. OG told his online companions that government hid horrible truths from the public. I believe that to be true. He claimed, according to the members, that the government knew in advance the white supremacists intended to go on a shooting rampage at a Buffalo supermarket in May 22. The attack left 10 dead, all of them black, and wounded three more. OG said federal law enforcement officials let the killings proceed so they could argue for increased funding. A baseless notion that the member said he believes and considers an example of his penetrating insights about the depth of government corruption. <sighs> was there any documentation on that? Right. Or is this yeah. what I mean, what Again, was that? I, I, you know, we started this making
0: fun of them for having one unnamed source. It's hard to know how much of this no, is no, no. real. Uh,
1: yeah, I know. Yeah. And, and what the motivations are aren't on anybody. Mm hmm. Um, Discord servers uh, eventually named Thug Shaker Central, um, signaled uh, to members that they were free to hurl epithets and crude jokes. Uh, The young member expressed some regret for their behavior, but seemed to shrug off the offensive remarks as a clumsy attempt at humor. That's much more serious than these leaked documents. I know. How can we cancel these people for the bad jokes they probably made online? He told The Washington Post this wasn't a fascist recruiting uh, server. Think of that. A kid, teenager, is saying that to The Washington Post. (laughs) Right. Okay.
0: Again, like... What they want so badly to frame this in a certain way that they're like, well, we've got a twelve-year-old or sorry, thirteen. He's a teenager. A thirteen-year-old could be eighteen. Could be eighteen. Could be nineteen even. And he's well, gonna, he called his mom. He's oh, okay. <laughs> he's going to explain to us what is and is not a fascist recruiting operation. Like, what, like God.
1: I mean, is this journalism? So listen to this. The member said Ugh. he is confident the authorities will find OG. He recently talked to OG. And he said he knew what he had done. He said, I didn't mean to put anybody in harm's way. And he sobbed on the phone. He then said he's confident the authorities will find him. But when they do, he won't be charged. Instead, he believes OG will be imprisoned without due process at Guantanamo Bay or Mm -hmm. disappeared to a black site if he's not assassinated for what he knows. He says he will not divulge OG's identity or location to law enforcement until he's captured or can flee the United States. I think uh, I might be detained eventually. I think there might be a short investigation on how I knew this guy, and they'll try to get something out of me. They'll try to threaten me with prison time if I don't reveal his identity. To date, no federal law enforcement official has contacted the young group member. What? What? Asked why he was prepared to help OG even at the risk of his own freedom. The young man replied, he was my best friend.
0: Help? He went to the Washington Post and is telling them all these details about him.
1: That's not help. I don't know. And why hasn't the FBI contacted contacted him? him? I don't know what to think
0: about this story. I I can go anywhere, honestly, here from this kid is playing a prank on the Washington Post.
1: Yep. All the way to everything he's saying is true to Uh, it's an FBI CIA plan right I mean you (laughs) could go anywhere anywhere. that's how little credibility the Mm -hmm. Washington Post has the federal government has and people have nobody has any credibility left it's it's crazy this is the best of the Glenn Beck program and we really want to thank you for listening Bill how are you sir I shouldn't even ask yet, because I know what you're going to say.
2: No, you don't know what I'm going to say. Back. I'm full of good ideas today. I appreciate yeah. being on the uh, Glenn Breck show, the yeah, fusion yeah. of entertainment and enlightenment.
1: Yeah, well, that's what we are. Yeah. And then also sometimes Bill O'Reilly. Um, but um, And that's both. You know. right. um, so, Bill, let's, let's yeah. talk about what's going on uh, beginning. Are they expecting the trial to start next week? We, we should have the jury picked right by the end of this week yeah
2: well look anything could happen in these things as you know i mean litigation is chaotic but the judge in this case wants to move it along and i the jury is the jury in delaware um you know both sides uh both lawyers on each side they get to pick people that they feel don't know anything and that's the truth they don't want smart people on the jury who watch fox news or may understand the core problem here they want people who have no idea so they're not biased
1: so and it's in it's in delaware why is it in delaware is fox a delaware corporation
2: uh, the dominion people are registered there okay most many corporations are registered in delaware because they have very low corporate taxes correct all so right. Dominion, uh, the voting machine, just for you, and I'm sure most of your listeners know this, they say that their company got severely damaged because Fox News and Newsmax and One America, and there are lawsuits against those uh, two as well, um, lied about what the voting machines did in the 2020 election. And that is true. So the voting machines in Dominion, there hasn't been one shred of evidence produced that says those machines threw votes to Joe Biden. Right. And the Trump people, Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell, they were running around saying this. And Fox News gave them a forum, in many cases, unchallenged. So that is the heart of the lawsuit. Now, there's only one thing involved here. And this is what makes it fascinating. A reckless disregard for the truth. That's what the Dominion law lawyers have to prove to the jury that doesn't know anything. A reckless disregard for the truth. That means that when these guests appeared on Fox News, the interviewers and the hierarchy of Fox, Rupert Murdoch on down, all knew this was bogus. There was no solid evidence against Dominion. Okay, that would be a reckless disregard for the truth. So they allowed someone to come on, say false things, unchallenged.
1: Okay, so wait a minute, Bill. I I can. Well, I had Sidney Powell on, and uh, you know, I said that's great. If you have that, you should produce it. Well, I am going to. Well, when you produce it, I'll have you back. Um, so that's not a reckless regard.
2: Uh, that's a reasonable approach. Correct.
1: Now, so the, the recklessness comes from, because I could have believed her, but I didn't because she would have produced some evidence. So I could have believed her. I might not have believed her, but I, I could still have her on the problem here with Fox is they had her on over and over and over again. Right.
2: Yeah, but it it was more than that. So according to the depositions and the uh, internal documents that Dominion got from Fox, they had to hand them over, that at the same time, Sidney Powell and Giuliani and other people were saying that Dominion did X, Y, and Z, they knew that Dominion didn't do it. So, (laughs) I mean, um, that's pretty tough. That's pretty tough to overcome, and that's what Fox's burden is. Now, a couple of other things you'll find interesting. There isn't one media operation in this country, not one, of any note, that wants Fox to win this. They all want Fox to lose it and be destroyed because from day one, that's what the corporate media has wanted, destroy Fox News. Correct. Um, And number two, cameras in the courtroom are not there. That helps Fox because if the cross-examination of Rupert Murdoch and, he, and, uh, Tucker Carlson, the other people, it's going to be brutal. It's going to be brutal. And if we're on camera, then that video would be everywhere. Now, the American people in world, anybody watching around the world will have to rely on the print press primarily to tell them what's going on in the courtroom. Now that's going to be brutal too, but it's not as bad as seeing it with your own eyes.
1: Correct. So what is this what does this mean, not just to Fox, but if Fox loses, does this affect the rest of us?
2: Not really, because I sat in that chair for more than 20 years at Fox. I didn't sued ever um because i put the opposite point of view on if you had a provocative thesis or hypothesis that dominion or anybody else was cheating in the election i'll put you on but i'll cross examine you hard that's what i do but i'll also put the other side on which isn't hard to do Beck. that's not hard
1: so is that is
2: do that then there's no malice
1: so, is that you how CNN gets away and all the other media corporations get away with, you know, the whole um, Russiagate experience? They right. pounded that. But
2: here's the difference. Okay. There was no monetary damage done to any person or corporation in Trump? the phony Russiagate thing. Trump? So. Some Americans could, and still to this day, statute of limitations has not run out. You could file a class action lawsuit against CNN and NBC News. You could do that. It cost you millions of dollars, so you'd have to get somebody to pay for it. But you could say that they, there's a fraud. There's a reckless disregard for the truth on those networks because they promoted a phony story, Russian collusion you could do that but it's a lot harder to win that kind of a theoretical lawsuit Correct. than this one
1: because of the monetary harm
2: yeah you you've got to show damages dominion says they can show it i don't know i don't know right. but i think that you know the jury the people who don't know anything the only thing that they're going to focus in on is reckless disregard to the truth. So behind the scenes, Fox News commentator whoever said this, but on the show, they said that. Mm. That's going to be tough for Fox.
1: What does it mean if Fox loses for them? Well,
2: mass layoffs, number one. Because they're going to take a huge hit. Remember, the jury can apply punitive damages against Fox in addition to the $1.6 billion. And they don't have to award Fox $1.6 billion. They can award, uh, I'm sorry, Dominion. They can award Dominion $800 million or whatever, okay? And then a judge can also temper the, the money. But you've got to assume that this is going to be, if they lose, FNC loses, they're going to pay an enormous amount of money. They've already paid more than $50 million in legal fees. Some of that is covered by insurance, but they're going to hemorrhage money. That's number one. So they'll have to lay off a ton of people over there. Um, And number two, it shatters them forever. Right. As being a legitimate news agency. Mm. Uh, But but the core people who watch Fox, the older very conservative people will continue to watch. Right. They're not going to bail. They'll never bail. Well, the, Because there's nowhere else to go.
1: Right. And the audience keeps getting smaller and smaller on all cable news. Um, yeah. So, particularly
2: the younger audience. Yeah. Yeah. They're gone at Fox News. They never were, existed on the others. But you mentioned CNN and the word doom.
1: <laughs> CNN knows a lot about doom, Beck. Please. <laughs> They keep, seeming, over there. they keep seeming to carry on. I don't know, but uh, they do. Bill, thank you very much. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you again when the trial starts uh, and uh, and get your take on it. Thank you so much. All
2: right. Thanks for having you me. You bet.
1: Bill O'Reilly from BillOReilly.com. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. James, how are you? Hey, I'm good. Good to have you on, man. Uh, yeah, uh, to talk to you. Yeah. So uh, last night, uh, I was trying to explain to the audience, and I thought you are the re- you're the guy who can really explain it really really well. Um, but it's the the world that we live in is no longer a free market world. Um, when corporations sat in their boardroom years ago. They would try to decide what was best for the shareholders and what was best for uh, the shareholders was creating a product that the public wanted. That's no longer their concern because you have BlackRock and everybody that is dictating or they'll sell the stock or fire people on the board and replace them. You have all of these activists that will just make their life a nightmare. You have the insurance companies and the banks who, if they're not doing the right thing with the right score, they don't—they're not going to participate with you. And you have the government breathing down your throat. So, is the is the average uh, consumer even considered anymore in the boardrooms?
3: Barely. Uh, the average consumer doesn't have anything like the power that even in in large numbers of, of average consumers don't have anything like the power that these big financial institutions in collusion with the governments have over these corporations. So not so much. That's why you know the reaction to go boycott these companies, yeah, maybe it sends a message, but all you're doing is telling them that you're unhappy about something that they know you're going to be unhappy about, that they didn't take you into consideration when they did the calculation to do it in the first place. So maybe it has a, has a small effect. Maybe it gets their attention. Maybe in the, you know the, enough of these will we'll get some attention. But for the most part, they are beholden to other forces that are not the consumer. They are not uh, any of the traditional uh, base of, of economic activity in a market.
1: I was talking to a, a fairly successful businessman a couple of days ago, and uh, he said, well, it's assuming we're in a free market, which I'm not sure. And I, I immediately responded, "We're not in a free market anymore. This, this is no longer capitalism as we know it. This is more fascistic in nature. Um, but it's, it's not a free market. Would you agree with that?"
3: Yeah, that, that, that's correct. I don't think that we've had a free market in the United States in a number of years. When it actually tipped over, I think it's been a gradual process. So it'd be hard to pinpoint and say, oh, it was 2015 or some specific year. But these tools like ESG that we're talking about are much older than people realize. Uh, ESG was devised at the United Nations by a man named James Gifford in 2003. And it was devised to the purpose that it's being used for today, which is how do we take all of that latent money that's tied up in pensions? All these people put their retirements away for 30, 40 years. All that money is just sitting there. It's not being invested in in things that could have a social or an environmental impact. How do we take that money and do social and environmental activist investing with it instead? And they came up with that 30 or 20 years ago. And it's grown in 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 scope over the past 20 years. And it's come to the point now where they are uh, controlling, like you said, in a very fascistic manner, how the market is going to operate uh, using that gigantic reservoir of money that they figured out how to tap into.
1: Can you explain CEI and the scoring system?
3: Yeah, CEI is actually pretty simple. Uh, this also is older than people realize. It's, this is probably, for a lot of people, the first week they've ever heard of the Corporate Equality Index, but it was devised in 2002 at the uh, Human Rights Campaign, which was a gay civil rights organization that eventually, in the in 2006, 7, 8 era, seems to have received a large amount of money from the Open Society Foundation and uh, George Soros's foundation and changed its direction to being very activist driven in a new way and they've started they in 2002 they started this equality index to show how well to score companies on how well they are are taking up with with social causes related to the gay rights and the LGBTQ agendas and uh, this score is very useful because it's a part of the S, the social justice part of the ESG score. So it's very useful to these uh, banks like BlackRock that are trying to figure out, well, is is Nike or Coca-Cola or in this case, Anheuser-Busch and Bud Light, are they doing their part and uh, to be socially corporate responsible? And so they, they use this score and it has a number it's scored out of 100 they use a score to determine are you having internal policies at your company that are lgbtq friendly are you going out of your way and bending over backwards for them inside the company are you making uh, lgbtq visibility into the public are you behaving in a corporate responsibility manner and they give you points based on whether or not you do these things and they can take away points if you do something they don't like and if you don't have a 100 the CEI score you're not listed as the best place to work and all kinds of consequences start to follow so much so that corporations brag about earning their 100 for the first time and on their websites and put out press releases and there are over 840 American corporations that have a 100 score from this human rights campaign you know,
1: quality index score and it's really not just about equality or you know treating people right or having an open workspace or anything like that. A lot of that score comes from your advertising and your your social outreach and promoting these things. So Dylan Mulvaney makes total sense when you understand the uh, CEI score, correct? Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right, Glenn. Um, they
3: come to you, the, the HRC, the Human Rights Campaign, sends Uh, Agents Every year to tell you what you have to do as a corporation in order to promote more LGBT visibility, to promote LGBT activism and social change. And if you want to have your score go up or you want to maintain your 100, you have to meet all these new demands. This is, in other words, racketeering. Uh, what do these demands look like? Well, in the past, they have been specifically, you know, that there's some piece of legislation that they want passed, some kind of equality legislation. So the corporation has to start to lobby for that or else they're going to lose their score. Uh, there are these ad campaigns like you see to put people like Dylan Mulvaney and push a new set of values into the, to the American culture while tarnishing the old values, mocking the old values. And this is the kind of thing that increases, allegedly, LGBTQ visibility. So this can increase your score. Uh, Last year, there was, as I've heard from some closed-door channels, there was a racket push on the three major airlines to give pride activists Uh, free airline tickets to fly around to pride events because airline tickets are expensive. And if they didn't give away millions of dollars in free flights to activists to fly to these pride events all over the country through June and July, well, they might lose their 100. And all three major – actually, all four major airlines in the United States have a perfect – the ei score so every single year they come with new demands new things you have to do this year in order to maintain your score and it's whatever their agenda items are for that particular year so
1: if you had a company that uh like bud light that had a great reputation not being about politics it's not even about beer it's about the stupid clydesdales uh you know all the time um they had a great reputation with the american people if they decided we're not doing any of this, you know, it's against our uh, it's against our corporate culture or we might agree with you on a lot, but we're not going to be taken hostage. We make the decisions here. What would happen to them?
3: Well, a number of things would happen. First, they would, they would get a shot across their bow. Their score would be threatened and it may go down, at which point. All of the kind of ESG apparatus is going to start to rumble into into action. So the HRC doesn't have any direct power over Anheuser-Busch, but Larry Fink at BlackRock does. So all of a sudden, they can say, well, you're not a best place to work anymore for LGBTQ, so let's go ahead and and delist you, perhaps, from these index funds. So Anheuser-Busch stock right now is bundled up into all of these pension funds that states like California are dumping billions of dollars into every year, and that's a huge amount of, a huge reservoir of money that goes into your stock value. Let's just take that away from you. Let's just delist you. And if that causes a spook in the market that causes people to sell your stock and run away from your stock well so be it and maybe we're going to have to replace some of your board members because your board members decided to take a stand against us and since they're going to have some huge portion of the stocks uh controlling that company they're going to be able to appoint and, and and remove board members kind of at will they may just also directly vote so there's a lot of kind of carrot stick yeah uh incentives that they that they can press on this it's also been tied into corp uh, to uh what am i looking for executive compensation packages mm-hmm. so these executives are also if they are doing what it takes to keep that score up they get bonuses if they mess that score up they lose their bonuses it's a very simple economic uh, proposition at that point for them and so they aren't likely to take a stand because they're going to get the stick, as it were, if they try to take a stand against any of this.
1: So besides being an entrepreneurial kind of community in and in a secondary economy, what uh, what can you do about it? Because, I mean, it's it's so far down the road. People don't understand it. You, you don't matter anymore. It's like, you know, you're seeing it in the government. No matter what you say, it doesn't matter. We're doing it. I I think we're going to go to war with Russia and or China, maybe even both of them, and we're never going to have the debate about it. It's just going to happen because the elites are deciding. So how do we reverse this?
3: Well, it's a slow process, actually. Everybody, when we think about how we're going to reverse this, because the stakes seem very high, we hope that we're going to just reverse it like overnight. This isn't what's going to happen. There's not going to be some miraculous, you know, moment where we say, "Oh, this is really bad. We're going to not do this anymore." What there is the opportunity to do is to slowly start exposing this, to show how it works, to reveal that this is a racketeering scheme. So Anheuser-Busch, if you stop thinking of them as the enemy for putting Dylan Mulvaney on a can and you start thinking of them, as, of them as being an American company that's in a hostage situation, Yes, you start thinking about it in a different way. How do we start trying to reach out? to? How do our, our leaders that aren't completely on board with the regime's plans start to reach out to these entities and say, look, you do business in the state you do a lot of business in the state you do business in the united states how do we help you get out from underneath this in other words when you're trying to turn over a cartel or a racket you've got to start to get people who are caught up in the system to it want out. Get out of the system to start telling stories about how it actually works and in the meantime we have to just continue to expose and delegitimize the process as much as possible It's fine if we want to do these things like these boycotts, but I I urge the American consumer to realize that it's not even just these cartel running kind of scores and banks that are the problem with companies like Nike, which also has promoted Dylan Mulvaney. Their largest market share right now is in China. They're not it's not even you anymore. And so American conservatives can can. Try to boycott these things, but they don't realize that, you know, are you're a very small percentage of the overall market. So we've got to start thinking in terms of what do we need to do with these gigantic multinational corporate conglomerates because they've become big enough and international enough where there is no accountability whatsoever to the American people. And we've got to start rethinking how that happens. But it starts by exposing it. It, it really does.
1: James, thank you for everything that you do. Um, you, you're just, you're an amazing story. You know, started at the University of Portland. Uh, a guy that we would probably have never have talked back then uh, to somebody who has just been relentless on research and found the truth. And now you're a machine. I mean, you are really breaking things up and uh, I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, Thanks, Glenn. Yeah, we're going to save this country. Thank you. James Lindsay. newdiscourses.com. newdiscourses.com. You should also follow me on Twitter, conceptual James. <laughs>